Welcome to the Trinity Western University Chapel podcast. It is our prayer that these chapel talks would bless your heart and they would draw you closer to our Lord. We offer them to the glory of God and for the good of the world. Good morning, everyone. Yeah. It is great to be here with you. And yes, I traveled from Richmond where we have 30 staff, numerous faculty, and over 1,300 students that are studying at our two Richmond locations. And if you haven't already come to visit, I invite you to come and pop in one of our Richmond locations. Um, Today, when Ed asked me to come and share, he said, I encourage you to think of one specific piece of wisdom that you would want to convey. And right away, the verse that popped into my mind was Romans 12, 12, which says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, persistent in prayer. And so in the next few minutes, I invite you to consider with me this verse. And as we unpack it, I'm going to draw on reflections from my time as a student here at Trinity. So we're going to have a little time travel back to the 90s and share some of the lessons that I learned in my journey with Jesus that made this verse come alive. So as uh, we get ready to launch in, just pause with me briefly to pray together. So Heavenly Father, thank you for this time and thank you for the joy it is to gather and to open up your word. And so I just pray, Father, that your spirit would fill this place and you would speak through these words, the things, Lord, that you wanna teach us and stir within us. In Jesus' name, amen. So yes, it was back in the 90s. I was a student here pursuing a BA in communications. Shout out to Samsi. And I was, in a dorm, third floor Fraser, anyone representing third floor Fraser? And okay, there we go. Yes, and I was a RA in my second year. Um, I was a staff kid. My dad was on staff in development and I loved the Trinity experience. And I remember this particular day, I was having my one-on-one with my RA sitting in her Fraser apartment and the phone rang and it was my parents calling. And it was a phone call that I would not quickly forget. They had just been at the doctor and the doctor had informed them that my dad had a small tumor growing inside his neck, inside his spinal cord. It was super rare. And it would later be termed aggressively malignant, not what you wanna hear. And they said, weeks, maybe months for his life expectancy. I had a dad who was in the prime of his life, 46. He ran three times a week, played pickup ball with guys half his age. He hardly ever got a cold. And suddenly, apparently, cells were going rogue and we had to deal with the reality of cancer. Um, I had all sorts of emotions swirling, as you would imagine, shock, anger, fear, intense sadness. Um, And yet early on in my dad's journey with cancer, his resolve was obvious. He exhorted us, my brother, my mom and I, to reframe our guiding question, not to get consumed by the waterfall of whys, but instead the who. Who was it that would be our strength? Who would be our anchor? 
While the circumstances we faced were not what any of us would have chosen, my dad firmly believed that our Heavenly Father had allowed this to happen, that he was right on schedule, and that this was his next assignment. So let's return to Romans 12.12. Be joyful in hope. What is joy? It is certainly different than happiness, which is based on our external world and the circumstances that can fluctuate from moment to moment. No, joy is something much, much deeper and richer. Joy is identified as a fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace. And we see it as something we experience as the Holy Spirit is at work in us and through us. I like how the team at the Bible Project describes it. They suggest, quote, Joy is a lasting emotion that comes from the choice to trust that God will fulfill his promises, end quote. Let me say that again. Joy is, quote, a lasting emotion that comes from the choice to trust that God will fulfill his promises. Well, time and again, I pressed into my studies in my second year of my undergrad and I wrestled with conflicting emotions. Would trust or fear prevail? On weekends, I would drive home to White Rock to spend time with my parents. My dad had always modeled faithfulness to the Lord and a love for his word throughout my childhood, but now as he was dealing with cancer, it was apparent that scripture was more than ever his spiritual food and his sustenance. He wrote out verses. This is before smartphones and just pulling it up on your app. And I brought one of these boxes to show all of the cards, boxes of these with verses that he would write out while he was able. And then once he lost ability to move, he'd have others of us write them down. And each week he would have a verse by his chair that he would meditate on, that he would just soak in. Words that became his food. Words like Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will be by your side. I will uphold you with my right hand of righteousness. And then another favorite, Hebrews 6.19, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. My dad modeled a tenacious resolve to choose joy, anchored in hope. And it was that choice that he made that was filling him internally with strength. And it truly was remarkable. His example spurred me on and many others to choose to trust God to fulfill his promises. Well, I came to the end of the spring semester and my dad was still hanging on and I had a dilemma. I was a member of Trinity's Chamber Choir, and we had been preparing all year long for a tour in Eastern Europe. Three weeks of performances were scheduled in Eastern Germany and Poland, and the opportunity seemed amazing, and yet the prospect of being that far away from my family with the realities of my dad's health were very unsettling, and I just thought, I cannot go. But my dad was adamant. I needed to go. Ugh, I was conflicted. Ultimately though, I opted to honor my dad's wishes and I went. 
And on the morning of our departure, I gave my dad an enormous bear hug, anticipating it could be my last time to do so on earth. And then I joined my uh, choir mates for the bus drive to YVR. No sooner had I sat in the bus seat and I remember tears just flowed down my cheeks and I sobbed. I was a mess. How was I gonna do this? Oh Lord, help me. I remember sending up prayers. I don't know what I am doing, but I know that my dad wants me to do this and seriously, this is ridiculous, but God, give me peace and be my strength. We made it to the airport, cleared security, boarded the plane, found my seat, sat down for the long flight, and as I buckled my seatbelt on that plane, I can only describe it as an indescribable sensation of peace, filling me from head to toe. It was like someone was pouring a pitcher over my head, and there was just this sense of God's presence and provision flowing down me, covering me. I didn't make it, I couldn't conjure that up. It was a gift from God. We arrived in Europe, met the German University Choir that we were touring with, and I had the privilege of standing in the soprano section alongside two amazing German students, Birgit and Manuela. And each night we performed Handel's Messiah in these beautiful cathedrals. One night at the end of our week together, Manuela turned to me and she had a curious expression. Rebecca, when our choir sings the Messiah, it's beautiful music. But when your choir from Trinity sings it, there's something different. What is it? I smiled and I nodded. I proceeded to explain the significance of the lyrics as Handel's masterpiece is excerpts of scripture, telling the story of the birth, death, resurrection, and anticipated return of Jesus Christ. I went on to share of my experience with Jesus, of my dad's battle with cancer, and testify to the supernatural peace that was sustaining me now. Manuela looked at me and said, Rebecca, how can you know such peace? I want to experience that. God's spirit had stirred in Manuela's heart, and she stepped from darkness into light that night. Be joyful in hope patient in affliction. The prognosis of weeks, maybe months for my dad was now stretching into years. I completed my third year of studies and then my fourth. Dad was losing everything from his neck down where the tumor was growing, so confined to a wheelchair, my brother and my mom coordinated 24-hour home care. The charge to be patient and in affliction can seem cruel when trials stretch on and on. But as 2 Corinthians 4.17 states, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Light and momentary? Some sure don't feel like that, but just the opposite. It can feel long and heavy and hard and I don't know about you, but when I'm in the thick of my sufferings, my, detail, my default, rather, is not to consider how this will play out for eternity, but I'm much more inclined to think of the quickest resolution to my struggle and the shortest path to being relieved of the pain. 
My human brain chunks time into linear little chunks, bite-sized pieces, and yet the God of the universe is standing outside of time and is infinitely patient in seeing his purposes accomplished. So let's go back to Romans 12, 12 again, reading it now in full. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, persistent in prayer. Prayer, it is the fuel driving us to the feet of Jesus, the catalyst for perspective changes, for lifted burdens and long-suffering perseverance. We are called not just to pray, but to be faithful in prayer, persistently praying. And when trials come, we are called to persevere in communicating with our Father, bringing our petitions and listening to His voice. Persistence is marked by great intensity of emotion and determination. And when trials stretch on, we shouldn't wait passively and anticipate patience will just spring up. No, Romans 12 exhorts us to be active, praying faithfully and fervently. Well, miraculously, my dad made it to watch me walk across the stage at my graduation. And shortly thereafter, his health really started to deteriorate. And it was to the point where we just started to pray persistently, Lord, please heal him or just take him to be home with you. And shortly thereafter, the day came when my dad breathed his last, and my brother, mom, and I all made it home to be at his side when he was ushered from this life into the next. There was joy, knowing he was no longer suffering. There was hope, knowing we will see him again someday. And yet, there were days to follow weighed heavy with grief. Be joyful in hope patient in affliction, persistent in prayer. 30 years have passed since I had that memorable phone call in my RD's apartment, and life has been full of incredible experiences, joys, blessings, trials, and pain. And in each chapter, God has been faithful, an anchor, with an abundant supply of peace, strength, and hope, with stories full of seeing God at work around me. Through it all, he has been an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So friends, what circumstances are you dealing with on this gray January day? What things weigh heavy and what things are causing you to start to swirl with various emotions? My desire in sharing today is to testify that God is good, He is faithful, and He alone offers an abundant supply of peace, strength, and hope for each and every need. So today I implore you, don't give up. Keep pressing on. Resolve to choose joy. It is a choice, and it is not just something that floats and flies. It is anchored in hope. So claim Romans 12, 12 today and choose to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, persistent in prayer. Thank you.